Welcome back to the Gator Maven Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Goodall. Make sure to throw me a follow on Twitter at Zach underscore Goodall, as well as my co-host, Graham Marsh. You can find him at Graham Marsh UF, and you can find us, the Gator Maven Podcast, on a lot more platforms now than when we first started. Uh, you can find us on iTunes. We just made our way over there the other day, so go and leave those five-star ratings and reviews. We're already up to one five-star and I actually don't think it was either of us. Uh, I could be wrong, but we'll... We're it was gonna, not me, so... It was not me. We're going to need a lot more of those five-star reviews, though, so keep them coming. It'll help Big us boost our profile. Uh, that'd be huge. Uh, Spotify, we've been on there for a little bit. Um, the number two to iTunes, essentially. Uh, Google Podcasts, we're on the free streaming service Anchor. Uh, that's where we post our show, and you can go and listen for free. It's an easy little app to use as well as other free services, uh, Overcast, Breaker, Pocket Casts, and Radio Public. Um, all of those are free, uh, just websites. You can go and listen to us on there. So however you listen to podcasts, you're going to be able to find us pretty easily at this point. Uh, so make sure to subscribe and stick around as we bring you weekly podcasts covering your Florida Gators. And uh, speaking of the Florida Gators, today we're going to be breaking down how they should approach this upcoming UT Martin game. Uh, it kicks off tomorrow at 7.30. It's the home opener at Ben Hill Griffin Stadium. My first game in the Ben Hill Griffin Stadium press box covering the Gators, so I'm pretty excited for it, as well as what should be a game that's over, what, by the end of the first quarter? Second quarter? Just before half Yeah, time? I'd say probably <laughs> at latest midway through the second. Honestly, before kickoff. I mean, we know. I mean, the spread is set yeah. right now at, uh, what, 45? 44 and a half. 44 and a half, yeah. So, yep. And it's gone up every day. So yeah. it's uh, everyone knows what they're getting into. It's the cupcake game. However, while it is a really easy win for Florida, it, it, it is an important game in its own sense compared to talking up the SEC schedule. And I know Graham's – pretty opinionated on it. I've got a lot of the same beliefs as he does, so I'm going to let him break it down, and he's speaking for me here. Yeah, so um, real quick, before I get into this, about giving us five-star ratings, um, think of us as your favorite Uber driver. <laughs> like, that guy deserves a good five-star. So I would say <laughs> that after this podcast, be like, yo, those two guys, throw them a five-star for sure. We do this for the so people, anyway, so the people can do that for us. This is for the people, exactly, exactly. Um, so anyway, yeah, so UT Martin, um, yes, this game really matters. And media and fans both like to kind of throw these games away. Like, oh, it's just an extra week, it's just an extra game, it's a stat-padding game, it's a waste of time, you know, I probably won't be watching by the third quarter. Well, there's a couple of reasons that you should keep watching. There's a couple of reasons that you should pay attention the entire game. And the first one is there are certain starters at certain positions on this team and really on any team that need reps. And it's not just that they need reps, they need winning reps. So what, even though you're going against an inferior opponent, like imagine what a, 50-yard run with two broken tackles can do for a Malik Davis right now or a Damian Pierce. Like, getting big plays like that, and especially at home, hearing the roar of the crowd, 
can give you such a confidence boost and make you play so much better. And in my piece, I went back to last year, the Charleston Southern game. The first game of the year last year, Felipe Franks in the very first half of 2018 football, after an abysmal 2017 season, throws five touchdowns in the first half. And again, I know it was Charleston Southern, but you can't tell me that that didn't work wonders for a quarterback's confidence who was, by all intents and purposes, terrible in 2017. And then he comes out his first half of 2018 and seemingly can do no wrong. So again, I get that it's an inferior opponent. I get that they're not as good. But there's just something about being in a real game, playing against real college football players. And Again, I know it's smaller, but real college football players and getting big plays and winning reps. And if you're an offensive lineman, getting some pancakes and getting real penetration and creating real holes. And if you're a running back, getting big chunk plays. If you're a quarterback, finding the open guy, getting to your second or third read and making an accurate throw. And this all seems basic and vanilla because it is, but it still really matters. And it gives you something that practice can't give you as far as being on a stage in front of a crowd. And it it just works wonders for confidence. And on the defensive side of the ball, the safeties have to play better. Donovan Steiner, Jaywan Taylor, and then Brad Stewart with his first game back, and then obviously you got Sean Davis. Steiner and Taylor, if they don't play better, like Florida's going to lose two or three games in the regular season. That's just a fact. Like, I don't see a way that those two can play the way they did against Miami and Florida beats Georgia, LSU, or Auburn. There's just no way. Like, I'm sorry. Like, those quarterbacks, Bo Nix is still kind of a question mark. I mean, he he obviously came through in the clutch against Oregon, but still a little bit of a question mark. But for all intents and purposes, he looks pretty good. Um, But Joe Burrow especially and Jake Fromm, those two guys, if you play like that, are going to tear you apart. And then, you know, any big running game, if you if you tackle like they did, it's going to be rough. So you look at a game like UT Martin. This is an excellent opportunity for them to get back on track. So this who, is an excellent opportunity for them to make some tackles, wrap up, form tackle, drive somebody backwards, and feel good and confident about their tackling. It's a great opportunity for Jaywan Taylor, who's been hurt with a shoulder injury and was clearly nursing it against Miami for him to get a little more aggressive, shake some rust off. All these things really, really matter. So don't discount this game like it doesn't matter, even for the starters. So beyond the safety group, who are three players in particular that you think have the most to gain from a game like this where these reps are so important? Three players. Do they need to be starters or just three players in general? Um, It can do a mix, whoever. Okay, so if we're saying everybody, um, then I'll go three guys all on offense. So One of them's got to be Emery, right? Yeah, give me Emery Jones, Yeah, um, who I expect to see the entire second half. Mm-hmm. I hope that the very final snap on offense in the fourth quarter – is taken by Emory Jones. I hope that he just gets an unbelievable amount of reps. Um, And, you know, in the games that he's gotten to play, 
He played a good amount against Iowa, uh, Iowa against Idaho last year, um, and he looked good. And he's looked good in both orange and blue games he's played in. So, granted, Emory Jones has played against you know not much competition since he's been here, um, but still, I mean, he's looked good, and and I look for him to do even better in this game with another year under his belt. So Emory Jones is number one. And then the other two are guys that I expect to play a lot this year, Malik Davis and Damian Pierce. Just because those guys both had objectively terrible games against Miami. Right. I mean, Malik Davis had three carries for negative nine yards against Miami. And Damian Pierce had three carries for two yards. So you're talking Damian Pierce averaging 0.7 yards a carry and Malik Davis averaging negative three. So obviously that's kind of skewed because Malik Davis had the fumble and neither of them played very much. And obviously if they had played more, they'd have better stat lines. But even still, needless to say, they both had pretty rough games. And again, I just said it a minute ago, like what can a huge run from Damian Pierce what can a 40-yard touchdown run from Damian Pierce do for his confidence right now like it can work wonders so so yeah I would say Emory Jones Malik Davis and Damian Pierce have the most to gain on this entire team yeah I'm with you on um all those guys and especially Emory I think that he's the obvious one he needs the reps everyone knows it um whether or not he'd be the first quarterback in after Felipe is another story. Uh, but Yeah, I wrote I, about that in my piece. I said that that's another thing. Sorry to interrupt you, but... No, you're good. Um, something really interesting to watch in this game is once Felipe comes out of the game, who comes in first, Emory Jones or Kyle Trask? I do think it'll be Trask. Yeah, I, I think I it will think, be too. I don't think he'll play for long at all, but he's yeah, I agree. real quick. I totally agree. I think you got, like, maybe... Two drives from Trask, three possibly. Maybe like one going into the the second half, and then and then it's the Emory show the rest of the day. Yeah, yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, they're gonna want to shake the rest off of both of them, and obviously he's got experience, so he doesn't need these reps like Emory does. But at least to get you know in the comfort of things, because I do think throughout the year, if Felipe went down with an injury of some sort, Trask would be the one to step in at first. But, I mean, if we're talking about for an extended period of time, maybe Franks eventually gets benched or something of the sort, then we'd see Emery then. So both of those guys need to be prepared for either case. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think in, in any kind of temporary fill-in, um, I think it'd be Trask, just simply because of the fact that, first, he's more experienced. Second, in all likelihood, we haven't seen a ton of either one, so I guess we don't technically know, but in all likelihood, he's more consistent. Um, and then the, the other kind of thing is, if Kyle Trask goes in, you don't have to change the offense very much. Um, but even though even though Mullen does like to run Franks, he would run Emory a lot more. Oh, of course. So, like... The offense would have to change so much with Emory that if it was for like one game or something, or even like a half, I don't. I don't think that that's worth changing pretty much everything you've built within this offense 
just for a half or a game or whatever. But but yeah, I do agree with you. If it were long term, then I think you're looking at a different story. Which is why they definitely got to get both of those guys in. Uh, on the defensive side, I do think the young edge rushers and the uh, young cornerbacks and defensive backs are the ones that are going to need some time. So I always struggle pronouncing his name. Forgive me, Gator fans. But Mohamed Diabate, uh, Chris Bogle, uh, both highly rated edge rushers coming in. Diabate uh, enrolled early, so he he already has some experience from the spring program under his belt. His developments come along real well. Both of them have apparently been flashing a lot in practice, so getting those guys some reps would be you know a big deal. Um, obviously, with the red shirt rule, where they can get four games this year, uh, they won't want to use them too much. But this is one of those games where you absolutely do. Uh, as well as the defensive backs, like Chester Kimbrough uh, has moved to star from what I understand, and he was doing a real good job there in spring practices. Uh, Jaden Hill was doing a lot of the um, of the field work with Kair Elam working it more at the boundary um, there at outside cornerback. So these young guys who are in positions where if an injury happens, they'd suddenly be relied upon are the guys that really need to get in. Obviously, that's almost a story every year at defensive back, so it's not unlike Trey Dean coming in last year for Marco Wilson or Wilson and CJ Henderson playing a lot their freshman year. Wilson is a full starter through the entire season. Henderson playing a good amount of it. Uh, developing those guys is going to be really important. And you that's what makes these games important is you take advantage of those opportunities. Oh, absolutely. And just being, being on the field in front of a stage. Again, it's something that you can't emulate in practice as much as you may try. You can't, it's just the facts. So just as much time as those guys can get in a real game, the better. So now we can transition over to the UT Martin side of things. Uh, I watched their entire first game uh, against Northwestern State University. Not Northwestern. Northwestern State University. Yeah, I believe it's another, oh. it's a, it's another FCS school. Uh, I, wouldn't, I, I wouldn't suggest doing this type of stuff for fun guys watching (laughs) programs like that in your free time. Uh, I did it for work purposes and that's the only thing that motivated me because good. Don't try this at home. It's not fun. Um, It might send you into a a severe alcoholic depression. (laughs) Listen, I'm not supposed to have alcohol for another uh, three or four days until I turn 21 on the ninth. So big man's grown up. I can't comment on that. But, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, um, it, it was pretty bad. Uh, now, I will be fair. There are some playmakers on UT Martin's side of the ball. Uh, well, on both sides of the ball for UT Martin, I should say. There's some guys that are kind of fun to watch. You also understand the competition level. Uh, and just watching full games, all 22 guys on the field. It's just, it's not the same. <laughs> it's so bad. But um, there's there's a couple of guys that did stand out. One on offense is running back Peyton Logan. Now, he's a small little dude. He stands at 5'8", 180 pounds. Uh, and that sounds like just, you know, candy for uh, SEC defensive lineman who's like 6'4", 260 pounds. Yeah, I was going to say, like, athletic. they're going against me this week. Yeah, so it's it, – this guy, you know, obviously I keep the expectation of the talent differential – and he probably won't have some 200-yard rushing game. Like last week, he went 13 carries, 149 yards, and two touchdowns. The best player on the field on either side, I think, for 
UT Martin. However, I mean, the, he is pretty fast. That's something that you would kind of stereotype for a dude of his size. Uh, he's really elusive, and he's got really good contact balance. Like, he was breaking tackles left and right, even against some bigger guys. Like, there are some guys with size in the FCS. I'll, I'll give some of the guys that. They're just not the most athletic. But he was going against guys that were, like, nearly double his size, and he was breaking tackles. So he might break off on a couple of runs every now and then. He's probably going to be the only way that the offense gets flowing over there for UT Martin. Uh, just really elusive. Uh, he was probably the most fun part to watch of this entire game. Uh, they've got a receiver in Jalen Moore, 6'2", 190. Uh, contested catchability is definitely there. Now they're starting a redshirt freshman quarterback. Uh, it's a second career start. He completed only 40% of his passes last week in his first game, albeit throwing two touchdowns and 130 yards on eight completions. Um, but it's, you know, he really locks onto a lot of his reads. Uh, especially in the short area of the field, which I'm 110% certain is where he's going to be throwing like 90% of his targets. Cause there's no way a dude like John Bacchus, the third of UT Martin, a red shirt freshman is going to test CJ Henderson and Marco Wilson deep. It's John Bacchus, the third. I love it. It's just not going to happen. So he's going to try and play the short game and that's going to open up a lot of opportunities. I think that is the most small school quarterback name I've ever heard in my life. Oh yeah, it's incredible though. Like I, I, I do, I do anxiously await hearing that name going over the speakers to ninety thousand people. John Bacchus the third. If if UT Martin somehow won this game, I hope it would be by John Bacchus the third throwing for like six hundred yards. I could only imagine the chaos that would ensue from that. <laughs> um, he really does lock onto targets though, so it's going to be a lot of you know gimme plays almost for the Florida defensive backs to go and make a play on the ball. Um, But when he is completing passes, Jalen Moore's a guy guy to watch for on the offensive side of the ball out at boundary receiver. Now I'll move it over to the defense. Oh, and uh, I forgot there's also Terry Williams, a 5'10", 165-pound punt returner. Uh, He had a punt return touchdown last week as well as 98 He's 165 pounds. Oh, yeah. These guys, this this roster's filled with little – gadget 170 pound guys bro that sounds dangerous dude he returned four punts last week for 98 yards including a touchdown and another pretty big one he's pretty fast pretty elusive in open field but he is it sounds like northwestern state (laughs) might need a new coach Uh, i think a lot of these guys could probably use a new coach and nothing would happen (laughs) it's it's just the talent level but I'm trying to make it as positive as I can uh, for these guys. I don't. I, I feel pretty bad now that a couple coaches follow me after the interview I did with Clint McMillan. Um, I got to give him some credit where it's due. Uh, on the defensive line, uh, they've got a couple of players there as well. One is Austin Pinkett. He's 6'1", 290, a nose tackle with like one of the angriest bull rushes I've seen. Uh, kind of reminds me of Tristan Hill at UCF last year where he just bull rushes you. He might not know what he's doing, but he's small, naturally got some leverage and powerful. Um, so See that'll ball, be, ball. Yeah, yeah. So that'll be the test for Brett Heggie, Nick Buchanan, and Chris Blake because they run a 3-3. So, I mean, there's not going to be a lot going on in the interior. Uh, they've got a 6'5", 300-pound end, uh, Julian Crutchfield. He's a guy that, you know, he had two sacks, nine tackles for loss last year. And he really sits the edge well against the run and redirects plays. Uh, He doesn't fill his own stat box too much other than those nine tackles for loss, but he's good at redirecting things. 
and otherwise there's there's really not a ton a ton there. There's a there's a safety slash nickel cornerback, uh, Wyan Moten, I believe is how you pronounce his name. I could be wrong. Um, he had two picks last week. He's a guy that is good at coming down and making plays. So, in a on a play where Kadarius Tony catches a screen pass. The only real threat on their entire defense to make a stop for a short gain or in the backfield is probably this Moten guy. But in coverage, deep coverage down the middle of the field, getting rangy, this is like the most embarrassing safety group I think I've ever seen in my life. So it's just like their reaction speed is miserable to guys going deep, to playing the seams, to covering post routes, anything like that. They have awful jams. They just don't. I, it's just they're super super slow to react to the it's it's funny to watch like every single score that Northwestern State put up was up the seam so I mean we're talking huge games early on for guys like Josh Hammond Freddie Swain when Jacob Kyle Copeland Pitts. Com- Kyle Pitts uh, the tight ends when Jacob Copeland comes into the game that's gonna be the opportunity for him to have his like welcome to being a Florida Gator game, like his breakout game will come against UT Martin. That's my prediction. I think he's going to have a huge game considering the weakness there. I know that they've been working him a little outside and inside. If they line him up at the slot, it's, it's game over. Yeah. And I think that's really just about it. Um, it's not a good team, but there's a couple, I mean, there's a couple of guys to know the running back receiver and the nose tackle, are three guys that might be able to make some sort of impact in the uh, safety nickel corner, Moten. Are they better or worse than Georgia State? Um, I mean, I, I got to give it to Georgia State, you know, beating a borderline SEC team. <laughs> <laughs> borderline. <laughs> like, that's not going to be uh, – there's not, there's not going to be competition – here it's gonna be like I think Florida is probably gonna cover the or you know beat the spread at the same time these guys I mean there's 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 a couple of guys that have a little bit of talent here they might have they might have an XFL contract come their way at some point you know it's hilarious and super off topic real quick oh go hit it, hit me with it so think about this real quick if Tennessee right now current Tennessee were in the American Athletic Conference, would they come in like third or fourth? Oh yeah, I don't see like. Would they even come in second? They're not beating UCF. They're not. Beating, oh yeah, obviously. they're not. They're not beating Memphis. Uh, oh, I forgot Memphis was in there. Oh, dude, <laughs> they might come in fourth or fifth. Houston. I mean, Houston gives them a good battle. Houston gives them a good game. Temple. Mm-hmm. Oh, Temple for sure. Temple's a tough what about team, USF, man. dude? They uh, lost to Georgia State, man. Like, there's no way that that's sustainable, right? Like, they're not gonna keep playing like they did against Georgia State. Something's gonna click, right? Like, I I have to think that even Tennessee should come back from something like that, right? Dude, you clearly have not been following Tennessee football enough recently because when it gets bad up there in Knoxville. That all hell breaks loose. Oh, I oh I remember just a couple of years ago with the whole scandals there. But I mean, this is a new, this is a new low, a a legitimate low. Keep in mind, this is the same school that rioted the athletic department. 
because they were so unhappy with the coaching head coaching hire, hire of Greg Schiano. Oh, thanks, Clay Travis. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, we can get back to the, the real stuff, but I just thought that was a hilarious little thing. We oh, could yeah. Discuss for a second. For sure. Well, yeah. Um, I mean, there's really, I guess there's not a ton else. We, we've, we've knocked it out. We know that guys are going to need to come in and get some reps. This is one of those games that you take advantage of those free reps. There might be a couple of guys that you hear names get called for, for UT Martin in a positive fashion. Uh, but not enough to change any prediction or outcome. So with that being said, let's give our predictions. Graham, I'll let you start. Um, We'll do a score prediction for the first half because that's the only thing that really matters um, with the starters coming in and playing. So give me a prediction for the first half score as well as a prediction for something that will happen in the second half. Like Emory Jones throws for three touchdowns or Chris Bogle gets two sacks or Jacob Copeland has a breakout game or anything like that. Or Tommy Townsend gets some quarterback time. Oh, hell yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, so first half prediction, um, probably I say Florida's up like 28 at that point. So probably like, let's say first half prediction, 31, three. I see it. Let's say that's first half prediction. Um, at the end of the game, actually something really kind of quickly I wanted to say, I don't think Florida's going to cover the spread at 44 and a half. Um, just because I think that the backups are going to get so much time and there are so many true freshmen that are going to be playing. Um, I think that opens the door for UT Martin to score a little bit, especially because they're going to keep their starters in the whole game. So um, at the end of the game, I see Florida winning by like 35, maybe something like that, somewhere around there. But um, so more specific in the second half, something that, I think I will see. Um, I like an interception from either Jaden Hill, Chester Kimbrough, or Kyrie Elam. Any of the three, I like an interception from one of them. Yeah, I would definitely like that too, especially after some of the things we heard coming out of uh, practices. Hill and Kimbrough were doing well. Uh, Elam was kind of up and down, so it would be really good, I think, to see Elam get one. Um, Yeah, I think Elam just – he's coming along later because he didn't enroll early like the other two did. Yeah, no, that, I mean, that makes a ton, ton of sense. And he's he's a really gifted athlete for a dude of his length. Um, yeah, it's just really hard to not show up till fall camp and then show anything oh, yeah. worthwhile soon. It, it, it takes some time. Yeah, for sure. And spring ball is so valuable for all that stuff. It lets you make a lot of mistakes before the pads come on and before it really matters in fall camp. So um, that's, that's it, it's not the, a big deal because they're not relying on Kyrie Elam this year, obviously. Um but, but, yeah, he's such a gifted athlete and so natural. Um, I think, you know, even just based off his pure athleticism, you know, a bad throw or two from the UT Martin side of things, I see at least one of them making a play. Yeah, and I think that spring camp development is crucial for a guy like Ethan White in the story we've heard about him. So he's going to be a guy that I think we're going to see him come in. I think we're going to, you know, be impressed with what he does. Especially, I mean, if UT Martin keeps in their starters uh, while these guys start rotating in and seeing Ethan White against some of those guys on, 
you know, arguably the strongest aspect of their roster is the defensive line over there at UT Martin. Yeah. So getting yeah, him... I wrote about. Oh, go ahead. What's up? Sorry. Well, just getting him those reps against some of these guys, I think, would be pretty important, uh, and I think he'll hold up well. The stories we've heard, him working with the ones even at one point, obviously the weight loss and everything is really important. So I'm just really looking forward to seeing him actually take the field in the first place. But I also think he should do a solid job. Yeah, I wrote this in my piece. I talked about Ethan White a little bit. Um, I I said that out of all the backups, he's probably – I'm not counting um, Richard Gouraj in this because he's a borderline starter and he might take over Stone Forsyth's spot at left tackle. But um, I do think that Ethan White out of all the backups is, is definitely the most important to get reps. For two reasons. One, I think that he might be the most talented backup. And secondly, Brett Heggie has such an injury history. And to expect Brett Heggie to play every game this season injury-free is pretty unrealistic. At some point, he's going to get some kind of some kind of nick that requires him to miss some amount of time, whether that be a game, a half, a quarter. At some point, I can almost guarantee that Brad Heggie will be injured in some capacity. So getting Ethan White plenty of reps and getting him ready is going to be very important. Yeah, I think that that's my one prediction is he's going to come in and he's going to do a good job. And it's just going to be the continuation of a feel-good story almost. Um, as for the first half, uh, 35-0 to zero sounds about right. I mean, Florida just coming out and getting after it early. You know, three or four touchdowns from Frank, seeing the running game, you know, get off to a hotter start than it did against Miami so they can get into the flow of things. Like you said, confidence, getting, you know, all the rust off and just, you know, beating the brakes off of an FCS team. And hopefully we get some similar performance from the backups in the second half. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that should just about do it for us here today at the Gator Maven podcast. Uh, as I said before, we're on a bunch of different streaming services, including the major ones, iTunes, Google, and Spotify. So make we're sure everywhere, and, baby. Go make sure to go and check that out. Subscribe, leave ratings and reviews. Uh, check out the site, uh, Gator Maven, mavensports.io slash Florida. Uh, putting out a lot of great content over there. Uh, I put out a full film room profile on some of the guys I was talking about. If you want to check that out. 16 clips so you don't have to actually go back and watch ut martin and terrorize yourself like i did for a two-hour stretch on a friday afternoon or friday morning i should say when i probably could do better things uh, and graham's got his work over there talking a lot more about the starters how long they should play uh his uh, a column coming out about the importance of this game that'll be up soon uh, make sure to keep your eyes over there at gator maven
wishing me 